starting today's daf daf samachay at the top of the page. Tanya will enter the price. Hamudra no mechavero, ein matirin lo elabfanov. Interesting halacha. This idea that a person is prohibited from his friend to benefit from his friend, so we cannot remove that that vow, even if we found the basis to remove it. Elabfanov, unless it, we're we're in the presence of that person that's relevant to this. Okay, that's the idea. Now, where's the basis for this idea, this concept that we will not remove a vow unless it's in the presence of the person who the vow is, um, is regarding, regards him, regarding him. Okay, so, where do we know this from? So, it's from the same story with Moshe Rabbeinu. Uh, the Pasuk says, God said to Moshe in Midian, go back to Egypt. Because all the people that want you, you dead are dead already. Okay, now, what does that mean? Uh, why do you have to go to Midian? Midian Since you made the vow in Midian, go and remove the vow. In Midian, who is this regarding? Who did he swear to? He swore to Yisro. So he has to basically nullify the vow in the presence of Yisro. So he should be aware that the situation changed. We'll see. We'll we'll discuss in a minute why why that is that way. Okay. Um, how do I know the vow was in Midian? Moshe, and then he swore. Now, what does Vayol mean? Ein That means Shvur. So that's the terminology. Allah is, a, is a, an expression of a vow. So he made the vow where? To his father-in-law in the presence in, 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 in Midian. So when he's nullifying, he has to do it in his presence because it rel- relates to him. Okay? We have here now an interesting story. Okay, so... Um, so it's talking about the Pasuk here in uh in in Divri Yamim is talking about Tzidkiyahu and it's describing how he rebelled against Nebuchadnezzar. Asher because Nebuchadnezzar made him swear in God's name something and he broke his oath. Now Maimer do say what was the rebellion, rebellious act that Tzidkiyahu did? So we have here a very fascinating story. Tzidkiah happened to be in the vicinity of Nebuchadnezzar, and he caught him doing something quite embarrassing. He caught him eating a, a live rabbit. In other words, he didn't you know, kill the animal first, which would be more genteel. He just ate it alive. Okay? So Amr lay, and when he realized that he saw him doing it, so he was embarrassed. And Nebuchadnezzar said, "Ishtavali, the lo maglas. I want you to swear to me that you will not uh, reveal the, this fact that you saw this happen to me." Iloi, below tepeg milson. That you know, I, I don't want this embarrassing story to become public. So ishtava. So he swore. Lesov have a come start tzidkio begufei. Tzidkio was really. <laughs> You have a question? No. Okay. Tzidkiel was kind of, a, um, I don't know how to explain it. He was, 
he, it bothered him that he couldn't reveal it. So much so, right? Come and start. It's in Kiel He was, he was, he, 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 he was messing with him that he couldn't tell this secret that he knew about about Nebuchadnezzar. So what did he do? He went to some rabbis and Itzel Shwasa. He went and was Shol Neder. For Amar, and then he told it to people once he removed himself from the vow. Sure enough, you know, he sees the Nebuchadnezzar sees in the tabloids that they're saying about him that he eat, that he ate a uh, that he ate a uh, that he ate a, 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 a rabbit alive, and uh, so the Kamevazanli they're making fun of him like that. So Shalach for Isi Sanhedrin he brought a Sanhedrin the best in the Tzidkiyo and with Tzidkiyo. Abraham he said Chazison my covet Tzidkiyo look what Tzidkiyo did he pr- he swore to me and he broke his shvur. Didn't he swear in God's name to Loma Glina that he's not going to reveal it? Not a problem. He was shown that there. You can remove the vow from yourself. So he said to them, Really? You're, is that true that you can make an oath and you can be shown that there? You can remove it, go to a rabbi to remove you from that vow? Yes, you can. So he got suspicious. He's like, I know the Torah too well to know that that something like this is not. It didn't make sense to him, right? So I'm a little bit fun of. Oh, I feel a little bit fun of. Okay, maybe he 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 made it. He he was sorry, whatever. He regrets doing it. But don't you have to do it in front of the person who it's relevant to, or even not in his presence? I'm really a bit fun of. You're right. It has to be done in his presence. I'm alone. Vatun my vitun. May of decent. What did you guys do? You did it. You removed him from this vow, not in his presence. My time alone recently said, why didn't you tell Sidkiyot that you can remove this vow, but only in the presence of Nebuchadnezzar? Obviously, that wouldn't work, you know, if it's in Nebuchadnezzar's presence and, and he's the king. You know, that's kind of dangerous. So, Miad, Yashvul Aretz Yidmu Zikne Bastion. What does that mean? They realized that they actually ruled wrong, incorrectly, for not doing it in the presence of Nebuchadnezzar. And, uh, and therefore, they removed the, the cushions from their chairs to say that they don't really deserve to, to sit you know, in an elevated position because they ruled incorrectly. So here's a, an illustration of the fact that when the vow is relevant to somebody else, that it needs to be done specifically in the presence of that person. So that's the, that's the Gemara. So now the Ran explains over here an interesting two positions. He brings down from the Yushalmi that there's two explanations why this is the case. Um, um, uh, why you can't be matter only in the presence. One opinion is is that the reason is is because of embarrassment that he's embarrassed from his friend that that he made the vow, you know, on behalf of his friend or connected to the friend, and now he wants to be matter it. So you gotta you know you gotta do it in his presence. That's the idea. And now um, that's only where the vow itself was in a way going to benefit that person and now he's removing himself from that benefit with the, by breaking his vow. So that's something that's relevant to the other person. That's what we're talking about. That's one concept, the one's not, one idea. The other idea is, is that even, even if it's nothing to do with benefiting that person, 
Let's say it's the opposite. opposite. I, I, the vow was, I'm not going to benefit from that person. That has nothing to do with, you know, that guy doesn't need to know this. But, what, but, so it's not relevant what, what I do. But what is relevant is that if I, he knew about the vow that I said I'm not going to benefit from him, and then I go and benefit from him, and he doesn't know that I removed the vow, so then he's going to be choshed that I'm being over my vows. That's what it is. So it's a suspicion issue. It's like a, it's like a maris ayin to that person who I made the vow not to benefit from him, and now I'm coming and benefiting, and he doesn't know that I actually removed the vow. He's going to think less of me, think that I don't, I'm not keeping my word. Okay, so that's why. Those are the two explanations. Okay, um, and that's the that's the idea. That's one very important point as to what is the reason behind this. The other point that he brings down here, which is also very interesting, is what about bottom line? What if they did do it, even though they shouldn't have? Meaning, does the vow does the vow actually become annulled, whether uh, you know, when they didn't do it in the presence of the other person, or does it not become annulled? That's the question. And the Gemara, um, and, and the, 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 you know, so the Ram, the Ram brings down that, you know, look, the story of Tzitkiel was not in his presence, and they mattered it. So it seems that it works. But on the flip side, the other Rishonim say, no, that, that's not a very good proof, because look what happened to Tzitkiel. Look what happened to the Sanhedrin. They were, they, they issued, it was an incorrect ruling. They, they shouldn't have done that. So it's not clear whether it actually works or doesn't work. So it's Machlokas. Okay. Anyway, that's the end of that piece. Question? Yeah, what if um, what if we put a gun to his head and said, swear this? Yeah, no, it was, uh, the oath was under duress. Like, maybe, under pressure. You didn't really want to make the oath, but uh, felt obligated to. Yeah, that's kind of why there was a little bit of a mitigating factor over here. He was, he, you know, did he have a, did he really have a choice? That's But that's the reason why they permitted it. Yeah, but they, they themselves got in trouble as well. Besides for Tzidkiyot getting in trouble, they also got in trouble. So, um, anyway, the bottom line is, is that uh, it, it, it's not, you know, this was kind of under duress, but he did, he did bottom line, he did make an oath. Um, you know, an oath is a very serious thing. And even though he wanted to be moderate, he should have, he should have done it in the presence of Nebuchadnezzar, otherwise not. Anyway, that's the idea. Okay, brings us to the new Mishnah. So, now, Even though it sounds like Rameir himself doesn't really uh, hold like Rebbe Yezer that you can use Nolad in general, but there are things that are like Nolad, but that are, but are not like Nolad. Okay? It's actually... There's another uh, nusach. The other nusach is that the Chamim do agree to this type, kind of nolot. This kind of nolot they'll agree to, just not the Rebliezer's nolot. Okay, but Ketzad, what's the example of this type of nolot that's not really a nolot? Ketzad, how is this? Amar konim shani no say as I am never going to marry this lady Shavira because her father is bad man, I don't want to get into that situation with a, with a, with the father with her father with a father-in-law like that. Not interested. Amrlo, Mace. And then they told him, oh, he's dead. Or he, he's a changed man. He became a good person. He's not, you know, so can, can that, even though that would be qualified as a nolad, but he almost put that in, into his oath as the reason for his oath. So therefore, it should, 
basically remove the oath. That's the idea of what he's saying. I'm not going to walk into this house because there's this crazy dog in it. Or is this snake that's there? So he put a reason, he attached a reason to his not going into the house. The dog died or the, or the snake was killed. So then that's a new situation. But it's like Nolad, but it's not really like Nolad because he, he is putting that as the reason for why he didn't, wouldn't go. So therefore, he's basically saying that if that reason wouldn't apply, then I don't mean to be vowed to this thing. And like I said before, there's two girsos over here, whether the Chacham agreed to this knowledge or not, but uh, two girsos, two versions. Okay, which brings us to the Gemara. Konim, Shani, you know, go into the, that I'll go into this house because there's a bad dog there, etc., Mace, uh, Nolad who? So the Gemara is saying, but if he, the dog died, isn't that a Nolad? Some Ravuna, it's not really a Nolad. And the reason, the explanation of what Rabbi Meir is saying is It's almost as if he put a condition on his nether, and that, and therefore it nullifies the vow. And that's the idea. Um, uh, that's the understanding here of Rabbi Meir. Rabbi Yochanan Amar. Is it automatically nullified the vow? Oh, whoops, sorry. One second, I messed up over here. Um, um, I'm sorry? What was your question? It's a quick question. What's the, what's the process for that? Does that mean that if that, if that thing happened, the dog died, that automatically nullifies the vow? Exactly, that's what we're saying. You don't even need to go to a chacham. You don't even need to go to the rabbi to free you of it because it's clear that you put it on in those conditions. That's the concept. That's exactly the concept. Anyway, that's the explanation. Uh, that's the, 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 the Rav Huna's understanding. Rabbi Yochanan Amar, no, kfar mesu, kfar We're talking about is that the, 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 the vow was made under a mistaken information. Meaning he thought that there's this dog there, but the dog had already died. So it's not a no-let, it was based on false, based on non-current information that he made the vow in the first place. Okay? Or the father-in-law had already passed away, or did tshuva, etc. That's what the Mishnah is saying, and that's the reasoning of Rameir. You can't call a no-let something that already happened. It's just no-let in, in, in his information. That's what it's saying. So that's the story with Reb Yochanan's understanding. Now, Masiv Rabbi Abbas, Rabbi Abbas' question on that, Konam Shaini no Seleplonis Kaura, I'm not going to marry this ugly girl, but she's really beautiful, right? He just he didn't realize uh, how beautiful she was, okay? Shchora, she's dark skinned, but she's not. So, in other words, he's, he was, uh, he, he, he he said, I'll never marry her because she's ugly, but he, he didn't really get a good look. Okay. Um, you know, she's short. She's really tall. And she'll be permitted. This is not because she was ugly and then became beautiful. It's because the nether was a nether tos. Now, that next line makes sense. 
That's one idea. And therefore, and then and then we talk about a nether, that's a mistake. It's two cases. One case is a case of where he, he, he made a condition and now the condition is, full, is not there, so therefore the vow goes away. And the other one is because it was based on a mistaken information. It makes sense why we would talk both cases. They're all cases of an nidre tolls, basically. So, why do we have to write two times nether tolls, examples of nether tolls? And the Gemara says, Kashi, you're right, that is a difficult because Rabbi Yochanan is saying that the concept of Rabbi Meir here is a nether tolls. That's what we seem to be saying at a later point. Okay. So that's the difficulty which we remain with the difficulty in Rabbi Yochanan's reasoning. The old Amr Meir, furthermore, Meir says, Poskalo min akosov Torah. You also can open it up with what's written in the Torah. The Amr Meir, you could say, had you real in others, so you can bring psukim in as basis for nullifying the vow. That's in your arsenal that you can use, right? You, first of all, by making that vow, you are over nikama, taking a revenge. Harboring ill will. You're hating your brother in your heart. That's another thing that you're doing by that vow. And you're also transgressing and also you're transgressing because you now can't give him to benefit when he's a shu'ani because he's poor. And you're not able to, to take care of him. And, if you, and on the basis of any of those psukim, he says, wow, I didn't realize that I'm transgressing so many Yisurim here. Amar, ilu Yisayadad, I known that Shu um, that that's the case. Yisayadad, I never would have made this vow. That all would be a basis to permit it. Okay, that's the Mishnah. Amr, says the Gemara, Amar le Ravuna, Barav Ketina le Ravuna, Ravuna Barav Ketina said to the rabbis, Neema called the Ma'ani lava nafil. Why can't he say, look, so what, this guy became poor. Uh, is every poor man coming to me? <laughs> In other words, what, there's nobody else who can take care of poor people? I'll, I'll, give, I'll join in to give to the Gapai, the, the, the charity, uh, as much as anybody else. I'm not, you know, I'm not shirking my responsibility of charity. Um, the, let the collector, the, the, the charity collector come around with his pushka and I'll give like anybody else. And that's not benefiting him because I'm giving to the charity box. And then it ends up in the other, other, other person's hand. So that's the idea. So, <clears throat> and uh, um, so that's the story. So the Gemara answers, The answer is, is that you're right. After he's already going around and having somebody collect for him on his behalf, that's at a later stage. When a person's not doing well in the beginning, that's that he goes to his close friends first, you know, to help him from having to come onto the charity. And that's where you need to help him. And now you're not going to, and that's only direct because he's not going, he's not publicizing the fact that he's having a hard time. He's only going to the few people. And you're, if you make that vow, then you're not going to be helping out the poor person. And that's the idea, that's the nature of how 
you know, how it works. You know, you don't just right away go straight to the charity collector for, for helping you out. You know, you try to, you know, elicit help from your, from your people who are close to. Okay, brings it to the next Mishnah. Poskin la'adam biksuvas ishto. The person can bring up as a factor the fact that if he makes his vow not to benefit his wife, he's going to have to divorce her and it's going to be expensive. And we have here a story. There's a story with this fellow, he made a vow not to benefit from his wife. And he had to pay 400 dinarim. That's what the ksuva was. came before He says, okay, you've got to give the full ksuva. Amarlo, Rabbi. So he said to his father, to, he said to Rabbi Kiva, uh, My father just passed. He left 800 dinarim. Very nice. Nice Yerusha. Abba, all right? Not all achi So my brother got four, 400, and I got 400. I'm willing to split it, but why? I should be left with nothing? Amrler Bekiva, Bekiva said, Hey, buddy, that's how it works. Amrler Bekiva, Afilat Omocher Saroshcha. Even if you're going to have to sell the hair on your head to feed, you know, to take care of yourself, you've got to give her Ksuba. That's just too bad. That's the way it is. You owe the money, you owe the money, and even if he's going to leave you empty. Amrler, so he said to Rebekiva, Ilo Yisi Odeashukain, had I known that I'm going to be go out, you know, with any without anything, I love you. See, no, for that I could stay married. You know what I'm saying? If I'm, I'm not, you know, if the alternative of marriage is to be this poor, I don't think I would have. Done, I never would have made the vow. Oh, says Rabbi Kiva, Rabbi Kiva says, okay, that's a basis to matter. you're free of the vow. So that's the story. Gemara is bothered by a side point on this. Which is what is leaned to the ksuva, and the Gemara's question is: Is the is is portable object? We it sounds like that the father left them cash. Is the portable object something that's leanable onto a ksuva? Um, you know, dinar. Um, there's land worth eight hundred dinar. Not that there was. Cash, but then we got land worth that amount. Avaktani Sarosha, but it says that he's going to sell the hair on his head. Sarosha, Metatali, that's Metatali. Right? I don't know, whatever. I guess he had long enough here to sell for a Shaito. Whatever. Achi Kamino, what it's saying is this. Afilu Atamoche Sarosha Ochel, meaning you have to give her all the land you have, not leave yourself any. I, what are you going to do about eating? Okay, you'll have to sell your hair. Cut your hair off and sell that, and then you'll eat. Shamit Mina, which teaches us in Misadrin This is an interesting thing. Happens to be it's a machlokes when a person is uh, uh, owes money, is a debtor, and uh, do we leave anything over so that he can sustain himself, like just some certain basic things, or do we, if he owes the money, we clean him out? It's a machlokes. It sounds like we're not. We're saying that we're not misadr anything for this guy. One second. Sounds like we're not. Uh, 
Sounds like we're not uh, saving anything for this guy. So what's the story over here? Okay, um, I, I, thought, I thought there's an opinion at least that you need to arrange that the person who owes the money should have at least basic necessities that he can take care of himself, that he shouldn't, you know, be a burden, which is uh, an opinion in the Gemara. So Rav Nachman, No, what we mean to say here is, is that we're not going to tear up the, the Shtar Ksuva. The money is still owed. You're right. Um, of course, we'll, we'll take care of him and make sure that he doesn't have to give up his everything. But um, um, yeah, we'll make sure that he doesn't have to give up everything. But the bottom line is, um, you know, but, but he still owes the money. You know, it's not going to go away. So even if we're going to leave him a little bit, but when, if, he, if he has some sort of money at some point in time, he's going to have to pay. The money doesn't, it doesn't free that extra debt. So in other words, he owes her the full 400 Even if he's not going to give all the full 400 right now because you have to leave something for him, but uh, he's going to eventually have to give it. Now, if he gets a windfall later, he's going to have to pay it then. And that's what it has to do with, and that's the idea. And that's the end of the piece. So let's stop over here. Our... Uh, our, our, uh, our, so, uh, uh, yeah. You know, in England, it's a credit, what they call a creditor-friendly jurisdiction. And uh, in the old days, if you had a debt, you were stuck in debtor's prison. They actually put you in prison. Right. Someone had to pay the debt before they would free you. Right, right. That's the way your freedom. Right, but that's a, this idea of arranging that there should be a minimum, that's a, that, you know, a minimum amount that he should you know, still be able to earn. You know, like if he's going to give, if he has a way of, of making money, you know, like whatever. So you can, uh, let's say he's a, he, 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 he mows lawns for a living. You're going to take away his lawnmower because it's a valuable, because he owes the money. Then, you know, he's going to stay a poor man. You want to leave him the basic things and necessities to be able to be uh, gainfully employed. So uh, that's the idea. Anyway, all right. Have a beautiful day. All right, take care, everyone. Okay, take care. Same time, yeah. Okay, bye-bye.